you know, I've come across people who are like, well, you know, I'm just done learning. I'm just like, what? <laughs> and I think in America, we have such a bias towards beginning, middle, end in regards to learning because of our, the way our education system is set up. It's like, okay, you take all these tests, you pass this class, and then you graduate. And we have graduation as this thing like, okay, well, now I'm done with the whole learning part. Now it's time to earn. No, no, no. The more you learn, the more you earn. And you have to continually, continually be a learner, be a lifelong learner in the sense that you're constantly knowing that you have blind spots, constantly knowing and realizing you don't know what you don't know. And as a result, you're just being more curious than you would be if you didn't think all those things. So a baby or a child, for example, curiosity on 10. They want to learn everything. They ask why for just about anything and everything. They're asking, what is this? What is that? And you, Musa, as do I, as do your listeners and viewers, have the same thing inside of us. Only life tells us to stop being childlike in that sense. And when you tap into that, exponential growth is ahead of you. The first and best victory is to conquer self. Welcome to the Conqueror Approach, a journey of self-mastery. To cultivate our mind, body, spirit, financial literacy, and allow our light to shine upon the world. Brought to you by me, your host, U.S. Navy submarine veteran and entrepreneur, Musa Mikkel. Let's conquer. Welcome back to the Conquer Approach. I appreciate you for joining me. Today, I have DJ Uch. He is a music artist, an educator, helping working professionals overcome their lack of knowledge about finances, stocks, Bitcoin, by teaching them simple and easy ways to understand those lessons. He's the author of the 10 Ways for You to Win in the Stock Market, a book that makes being in financial markets easy to understand. Uch has been featured in the New York Post, Shortlist Dubai and BBC Radio One. Thank you, DJ Ut, for joining me. Thank you, Musa, for having me. I appreciate you, pal. Absolutely, man. It's been a great privilege to be connected with you uh, for as long as I have been in this continuing relationship. Uh, and it's so great to see how you're impacting people around the country, the world, and even me in, in this community. So it's really great to see the work you do uh, and just your energy and, and the music you produce. And I'm just really happy to have you on. Uh, and I wanted to just get into you a little bit because I think you're extraordinary as a man and I wanted people to know more about you. So tell us a little bit about Ooch and what got you on this journey that you're on as a musician and educator. Yeah, I appreciate that, Musa. Once again, thank you for having me here. Uh, being an educator, I think, just runs in my blood. You know, my uh, my friends and family say I can be preachy and teachy. So uh, what better thing to do than to become an educator so you can share uh, the knowledge that you have with others? I'm also the oldest of seven. I come from a big family. So what better way to be preachy and teachy than to come out first and have six more follow you? So shout out to my siblings uh, and my family as well. Awesome. Awesome, man. So you've been around a lot too. And and one of the things I remember us talking about before was when you just up and left and moved to Spain. <laughs> I want to go a little bit about that because a lot of this that I talk about here is mindset and what it takes for people to really shift 
and take a risk, get out their comfort zone, because that's where all the growth happens. Tell us a little bit about your journey out of America. Yeah, so out of America, there's I think there's a book called Out of Africa. So it's interesting he used the term out of America. That's awesome. Uh, or a movie called Out of Africa, for sure. Have you ever read the book The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho? Yeah. Amazing book. Such an amazing is, book. Yeah. Yeah, so I was making music once upon a time, originally from New York City, and um, I went to Ibiza for my birthday, and I was blown away, Moose. I was like, this place is amazing. I want to DJ here. And um, I did some talks, and I got a DJ booking, and I went um, for a label showcase because I have a record label. And um, from playing my music at Savannah, Cafe Savannah on the Sunset Strip in Ibiza, which is an island in Spain, just off the coast of Spain, about an hour flight from Barcelona, I said, you know what? I'm playing my music. I'm facing the water, the best sunset in the world. People are dancing to my music, my original songs. The DJ there is like, what song is this? Oh, this is you. This is amazing. And he's British, so he's saying mate after everything. Oh, mate, 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 this is great, mate, mate. And I'm just like, you know, I have to live here. Like, this is where I belong. And I just prayed to God. I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. However, I want to live here. This is where I need to live. And um, by the grace of God and by the grace of my friend Jackie giving me the book, The Alchemist, say, have a read of this book if Ibiza is where you want to move to. And I read it, and it's just about the journey, right? It's about the hero's journey. And it gave me the courage and the confidence to bust a move and to, first off, I went to Europe, you know, went to Spain. This is a funny story. So the place that I played, Savannah, I played there in September 2012. And I said, hey, guys, I want to live here next year. They said, "Ooh, okay, great. You can meet the owners tomorrow. We can talk. Be here tomorrow evening. I said, you know what? I'd love to do that. However, I'm flying out tomorrow morning. They said, oh. Well, you know, we'll talk during the winter. Okay. So I'm emailing, calling during the winter. No answer, no answer, no answer, no answer. And it wasn't anything personal. You know, the Spanish, they tend to be more laid back than us Americans. Okay. So no calls, nothing. I said, okay, I'm going to go to Ibiza for the month of May. I'm going to book a hotel, stay there for the month of May and figure it out. So that gave me an out. So talk about courage and confidence. You know, I had a back door ready. And that was a flight back to New York from Ibiza and a hotel room that was going to end after about, about 18 days or so I was on the island. So I get to the island, I go straight to Savannah, and I'm like, yes, I'm in Ibiza, I'm gonna go there, I haven't talked to them, I'm gonna get this job, let's do it. And I get there and they're like, hey, hi. So I'm like, hey, I'm looking for Javi, because he was the manager. He's like, oh, Javi's not the manager anymore. You can talk with him. I'm like, okay. So I go talk with him. Uh, I forget who was that. I forget who that was exactly. Uh, Pablo, actually. So go to Pablo. Hey, Pablo, como estas? Que tal contigo? Estoy aquí. Que pasó? And he's like, yeah, you know what? I have my DJs for the summer. Thanks a lot, though. And I'm like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. What have I done? Musa, that was a Sunday. By Wednesday night, I was laying in my hotel room, staring at the ceiling. No job, no place to go because May in Ibiza is super quiet. I'd never been there during the quiet part of the season. So there's nowhere to even look for work. So I'm like, what am I doing? I left all this work back in New York City. I'm here in a place I've never lived before. I don't know anyone. What am I doing? 
And poco a poco, as the Spanish say, things started to come together because I didn't quit. Uh, I looked up on Twitter a couple of Ibiza handles, a couple of Ibiza um, pages, basically, that were talking about things on the island. And I heard about this strip of bars on the island that was opening called The West End. It's where people like Sam Devine, who just uh, remixed my latest record, A Genius of House, she got her start in The West End. Um, so many DJs from the UK have gotten their start in the West End of Ibiza. It's a bit, you know, a bit more on the smaller side. It's not exactly what we think of maybe when we think of the word Ibiza. However, great people. So I just went from one bar to the next, one bar to the next. Hey, I'm here for work. I'm here for work. I'm here for work. I'm here for work. Hey, hey, hire me, please. I need work. Please hire me, please, please. I need work. And one by one, they were like, all right, we'll give you a trial here. We'll give you a trial there. And I would do great. Because it's not like I wasn't a great DJ. I just didn't have anywhere to work, and I didn't know anyone. Once I started to put one foot in front of the other, people were like, yo, you're a sick DJ. Oh, the DJ from New York, have you heard him? Oh, Uch is a cool guy. He's so cool. Duh, duh, duh. And then that led to a job at Soul City covering the residential DJs. So the DJs who were residents there who performed every day, basically, I got to cover them once a week. And I did that there, and then I got another gig somewhere else doing the same thing, another gig somewhere else doing the same thing. That led to boat parties, which led me to a nightclub residency at Club Eden, which had just gone through a multi-million dollar refurb, a multi-million euro refurb, and had the biggest and best parties housed there. So ultimately, what looked horrible <laughs> initially turned out to be something that dreams are made of uh, maybe two months later. And it really was because of faith in myself, faith in God, that God was going to lead me in the right direction and um, some careful planning. So one thing I didn't say, so once I did get the gig from Soul City, I flew back to New York because I had the return flight. I had nowhere to live still. And at that point, when I got back to New York, I was like, hey, everyone, I'm going to live in Ibiza for the summer. And they're like, oh, all right. Wow. Okay. So then uh, a couple of weeks into June, I finally made that move. It gave me a few weeks to prepare and plan. So it's not like I completely burned the ships, so to speak, where I just showed up as, all right, I'm going to make this work. You can do that. I gave myself a little bit of an out, and it worked out in the end. In fact, one of my students in my courses, because you know that I teach finance, I teach regular working people how to master the stock market and Bitcoin so you can have more money. A buddy of mine, David, who is uh, my housemate, he was my flatmate my first season, He's now one of my students. I was just teaching him about maybe two hours ago prior to doing this podcast. So it all comes full circle. Our friend Tom Watts, who's also our flatmate as well, I'm teaching him these finance courses too because, you know, they're two guys in their 30s who Tom is a dad now and David, you know, he's not a dad yet, however he wants to be. And they're just tired of trading hours for dollars. They want to use their brain in order to create wealth. And, you know, I was blessed with, um, this ability just by learning, you know, um, once upon a time I was broke on a couch in LA and I just said enough was enough and whatever happened with that Bitcoin thing. And that led me into Bitcoin, which led me into stocks. And now I get to teach so many people about it as well and make it simple because who better to communicate than a DJ, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I make it simple for you and, and, um, my students are doing amazing as a result. That's awesome, man. It's just so cool to see that journey. Cause I feel like a lot of people, if they were tested in a completely different country, when something didn't go as planned, when you originally went there, it didn't go as planned, you know, it, it wouldn't have been that difficult for you to just fly back to New York and make things happen again there. However, that 
part of your journey was so crucial to your evolution uh, and just your resilience, knocking at bars and just getting those gigs. That also just shows the hustle required in the, the music industry. And it's just so cool to, to hear the backstory because some people see successful DJs or musicians like yourself and they just think they just got lucky or something or they're just one of the people that just blew up out of nowhere. However, it's like that's what happens. You know, we see it in comedy and acting and all kind of entertainment. They hustle harder than anybody else. That's why they get noticed and they get noticed and they get bigger gigs and bigger gigs. So you're living proof of that. And then shifting to the finance industry. Now, what made you, what made that happen after you just realized that it was another avenue of success for you? Did you just want to share that? Yeah. So ultimately what I did once upon a time, I knew in my heart, so my intuition was on point and I share that with your listeners as well. Your intuition will guide you to a large degree. I knew in my gut that trading hours for dollars, even though I love DJing, I knew that there had to be more. I wanted to be able to make money when I wanted to, not because I necessarily had to. And I also wanted to make money when I was sleeping. So I first got into real estate as an investor back in 2011. I was making great money as a DJ in New York. And I said, okay, let me start to put some of this into something that can get me a return and build the future for me. I also read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, back in 2009. I was just like, why did I not learn any of this in school? You know, and uh, once I learned those principles in that book, I put it into motion fast and bought my first piece of real estate within about a year. And from there, it planted the seeds, Musa, for wanting more for myself, bigger, better, different in terms of finances so that I could do what I want when I want. Fast forward to me moving to Dubai. So I uh, lived in Spain and I was splitting time between Ibiza and New York. I was um, doing my summers in Ibiza and then my winters in New York. And have you been to New York? Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. I lived uh, in Jersey for four years. Why did you do the winters you... in New York and not <laughs> the winters in Ibiza? <laughs> It makes sense. So uh, the summers in Ibiza is when everything is happening. And largely in the winters, like 90% of the people leave, you know, because it's just quiet. It's relaxed. It's reserved. So most people mm -hmm. go to Ibiza to live there for the summer so they can have the glitz and the glamour and the party life and also to work because there's so much work there in travel, tourism, music, culinary, you name it, because so many people are going there from around the world. Winter you got to find somewhere else to go. So I was splitting my time between New York and Ibiza because I knew Ibiza wasn't going to be an all-year thing. And when I would go back to New York, you know from having lived in Jersey, it was cold. It was so cold, I didn't want to be there anymore. So after two years of that, I said, you know what, I'm done. Plus, it was just so far away from Spain. So I would get all these great European contacts and then say bye for like six months of the year. It didn't make much sense. So I said, okay, I'm going to find a place where I can live for the other six months of the year that's closer to Europe. So I had a lot of friends in Ibiza who would go to Thailand for the winter because they would work really hard for six months. And then in Thailand, the cost of living is so cheap, they wouldn't even have to work. They would just live off their six months of, uh, of living um, that they had made in the summer. So from there, I was just like, okay, I'm going to go to Thailand. I have a stop in Dubai, and then I'm going to go to Thailand. So I have a layover in Dubai going to Thailand for two weeks. Let's get it on. So my buddy, Mike, he's like, no, no, no. You got to stop in Dubai, man. It's amazing. I've never been there. However, I know people have gone. They all love it. You got to go there. Stop there, stay there, enjoy it. So I was like, 
all right. So instead of a layover, I made it a four night layover in Dubai. I was blown away, absolutely blown away by just how big it was, how great it was, just everything that it had to offer. And um, from there, I went to Thailand because again, it was a four night stop. And I was like, Thailand, yeah, it's cool. It's not Dubai though. So I uh, split time between Dubai and Ibiza for two years. So I was doing my winters in Dubai, which is super warm. I got to go to the beach on Christmas and then Ibiza for all summer because I had that summer season going. So from there, I decided to plan my winter a little bit differently. I hit all my goals in Dubai very, very fast. And in Ibiza, I kind of hit a glass ceiling also, where I was just like, okay, I've done the local DJ thing. I've played all the boat parties and played this and this and this, pool parties and whatnot. Now I want to go to the next level. I want to be headlining all of these clubs, Pacha, Amnesia, um, Ushuaia, you name it. All the big clubs, I want to be headlining it. How do you become a headliner in these clubs? It's hit records. The biggest DJs in the world have hit records, which get them to that top. Or there are people like Carl Cox who have like a huge, huge resume and huge lineage of being in the business. So I was like, well, I don't need to live in Ibiza to make hit records to get to the top of the game in Ibiza. I can live anywhere. And in Dubai, I hit my goal super, super fast. And in two years, hit that glass ceiling once again, where it's like, okay, I'm either going to put together my own events or I got to get out of here because there's no, I've hit this glass ceiling and I just feel like, you know, the hamster on the wheel. So I was like, I'm living in a five-star hotel in the desert, playing music. Where else can you do that in the world? And I was like, Vegas. Okay, let's give Vegas a shot. So I uh, flew to Vegas, didn't know anyone except maybe two people, including my friend who I was staying with. And as soon as I got to Vegas, I was like, oh no, this is not what I thought it was. Because <laughs> I didn't do a ton of research on it, apart from visiting for maybe three or four days prior. And uh, it was rough. You know, when I moved to Ibiza, I found work within weeks. When I moved to Dubai, I had work within a month. It took me eight months in Vegas to find regular substantial work. And that depleted me financially. I ran through my savings. I was putting things together, jumping from country to country or state to state, looking to just make some sort of income. I just did not have regular work that would sustain me here in Vegas because that's where I'm talking to you from now. And I ended up going to LA and I stayed in LA for that summer on a friend's couch because again, I was looking to figure it out and it was so bad. Got so bad that I was like, let me go back into television because I was in television before I was in music. And I said, I'll go back into television, just get a job behind the scenes. I'm just looking for any work. It doesn't even have to be DJ work. And I got a call um, from one company that called me back. No one called me back, by the way. I have a resume that includes American Idol, CBS Sports, the US Open, Fox Sports, BET, ESPN, SB Awards, you name it. No one called me back. So one company calls me back. I'm like, sweet, I have something. And I said, hey, what do you got for me? They said, well, what are your requirements for your salary? And Musa, I was just like, that's a weird question because I told you already. However, okay, well, you know, 60 to 70K to start would be good. They said, oh, sir, this job pays $10 an hour. And I just started laughing. And it was like, have you ever seen the movie The Joker? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a laugh like that. It was like, ha, 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 ha. Like, it was like, <laughs> what is happening in my world? Um, so Broke is a Joke in L.A., 
um, October 2017. And I was just like, after I got off the phone, I was like, what is happening? Like, I've owned real estate before. I've owned stocks before. I sh- why am I even looking for work at this point in my life? I'm too old for this. Whatever happened with that Bitcoin? So in 2015, two years prior to me being broke on this couch, I'm talking about broke, 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 broke on this couch. In 2015, I was on Expedia buying a flight and they gave you the options, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and Bitcoin. And I was like, Bitcoin, what's Bitcoin? So I start to look it up. It's $215. Yes, you heard me right. $215 for one Bitcoin when I was looking at it in April, 2015. And I look it up some more Googling and I see Litecoin is $2. Yes, $2 silver to Bitcoin's gold. So living in New York, I know people in finance, Wall Street. I call up my expert friends. I say, hey, what do you know about this Bitcoin thing? Oh, it's fake money. Don't worry about it. This is what I was told. So I trusted them. I didn't worry about it. Fast forward 2017, broke as a joke on this couch. Could not rub two nickels together to make a penny. I look up Bitcoin after getting off this phone conversation and laughing. <laughs> like $5,000 Bitcoin was. $5,000. So I immediately did not know whether to laugh or to cry, cry for obvious reasons, or laugh because I knew it was something. Why would Expedia take it if it's not real money? It doesn't make any sense. You know, it does not make any sense. It has to be something. Expedia is this huge billion-dollar company, multi-billion dollar company. Why would it? So I call up my friends on Wall Street and say, hey, so you know this, uh, you know this uh, Bitcoin thing? Yeah. So you know this thing's like uh, $5,000 now. And they said, yeah, you know, I wouldn't worry about it. I said, oh, all right. You know what? I'm going to worry about it. I'm going to worry about it every day. And I did. I started picking it up at $5,000, that Bitcoin. And I never looked back. Uh, trading Bitcoin got me into trading stocks. And I realized, Musa, like I tell my students and like I tell many people who want to take my course, whether you, if you could understand football, if you could understand Real Housewives, then you could understand stock market, period. It is not hard. It's just something else to know the rules of. So if you know nothing about football and you sit down and watch it, you're going to be confused. If you know nothing about Real Housewives and you sit down to watch it, you're going to be confused. Who's who? What is what? What are they talking about? And so on. However, when you stay with it and you learn it week to week, it comes easy to the point where you can talk about it with anybody and understand it when they put it on. Same thing with the stock market. I knew nothing. I'm, I'm not a rocket scientist. I'm just a guy who said enough was enough. I'm never going to be this broke again. I'm never going to put myself in this financial position. And I took action. And that taking action was about learning in my book, because, you know, I have my book, 10 Ways for You to Win the Stock Market. Thank you for talking about it. Chapter one of the book is Get a Mentor. Chapter one, because Musa, you know how to drive a car, obviously. Did you learn how to drive on your own? No. No. Okay. So you had somebody in the passenger seat with you helping you out. I do have a student who said that he did learn on his own, and thank God he's alive. That said, you didn't learn how to drive on your own. So going into the markets, whether it be stock market or Bitcoin and saying, well, I'm just going to wing it and learn on my own. Yeah, you can do that. I did that to some degree and it cost me a lot of money. Whereas you have someone like me out there to help you as a mentor, you know, taking you, hand holding you through the process 
of my course. So I'm excited to be able to help people. This is how I ended up getting into this. And by the way, when 2020 happened, I don't know if you heard there was a global pandemic. Did you hear anything about that? Yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, it was just a little something that happened to the whole world. <laughs> a once in a hundred year thing. Uh, it shut down the live music space, live events done. You know, you weren't even allowed to leave the house, let alone go raving or partying or enjoying yourself with your friends uh, to some music. So it shut down my industry. And thank God I had my 2017 because 2020, I did that already. It was called 2017, <laughs> you know, where I was stuck, I was broke, and I said enough is enough. And you're seeing a lot of people now say that with 2020 being the way that it was, which is why you're seeing so many people jump into the markets. So many people become Robinhood traders. So many people interested in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency because they realize, hey, tomorrow's not promised, at least from a working standpoint. The government or the world can just shut down and you'll be out of luck. So what are you doing to protect yourself? I love that. And the fact that you got to a point where enough was enough, mm -hmm. that catapulted you into taking that action. I want to ask, what what is it or what? What is it that keeps people from taking those action steps before it becomes to that point where enough is enough? I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. What can people do to prevent that from happening? That's a great question. Really great question. I would say, first and foremost, for me, I was comfortable. You know, like if I came to Vegas and the world fell at my feet the way it did in Ibiza and Dubai, um, and the way it did in New York to a large degree, like uh, when I started DJing in New York, I didn't even know you can make money from DJing. That's how I got started. I just did it for fun. And they wanted to pay me. I was like, oh, you can get paid to do this. Like it never even occurred to me. And then I started getting paid. I was like, oh, I can actually make a living of this. So when you make a living at something and it comes to you relatively easy or, you know, it's comfortable, it's very easy to stay in that comfort zone because that's how we're wired really as human beings. You know, our, and our evolution, comfort means life, you know, and uncomfortability means death, you know, because once upon a time before the wheel and before they discovered fire, it really was life or death out there is entropy completely. So, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, I think a great way to do it is by surrounding yourself with people who do that on a regular basis. One, two, have people around you who are going to constantly push you to be better. And number three, be open-minded. You know, um, there are things that, you know, I've come across people who are like, well, you know, I'm just done learning. I'm just like, what? <laughs> and I think in America, we have such a bias towards um, the beginning, middle, end in regards to learning because of our, the way our education system is set up. It's like, okay, you take all these tests, you pass this class, and then you graduate. And we have graduation as this thing like, okay, well, now I'm done with the whole learning part. Now it's time to earn. No, no, no. The more you learn, the more you earn. And you have to continually, continually be a learner, be a lifelong learner in the sense that you're constantly knowing that you have blind spots, constantly knowing and realizing you don't know what you don't know. And as a result, you're just being more curious than you would be if you didn't think all those things. So a baby or a child, for example curiosity on 10. They want to learn everything. They ask why for just about anything and everything. They're asking, what is this? What is that? And you, Musa, as do I, as do your listeners and viewers, have the same thing inside of us. Only life tells us to stop being childlike in that sense. And when you tap into that, 
exponential growth is ahead of you. Yeah, I love it. I love it, man. You said it. You said it perfectly there. You said it perfectly. I, I really do believe that and agree with you there. Uh, that we do have the capability, and it's just the doubt that comes into play of, of life and the fears and the limitations that we experience. However, it was just like you exemplified that if you are committed to something, if you really commit, go to a different country and just have the intention, the end result in mind that you're gonna you're gonna DJ here or whatever for your business. You're gonna have certain amount of students or you're just going to be successful in it when you can see it like truly envision it it starts manifesting by you taking those small actions that lead up to that because sometimes it might be a difficult leap for someone mentally they might not be able to make that mental leap necessary to take a huge risk for example like leaving the country but you were at a level of success and mindset where that might be extremely scary to someone. However, for you, it was scary, but not enough to stop you to actually doing it. So that alone shows what's possible. And that's really where the realm I think people need to go to is the possibility realm. Because if, if you didn't go there, I don't even know if I'd know you. Right, exactly. There you go. You know, it's what ultimately led me to Vegas. If I never left New York, because I have friends who've never left New York and New York is a great city. Why would you ever want to leave? Uh, for me, it just didn't satiate me anymore. I saw a glass ceiling again being formed and I wanted to grow myself. I wanted to grow outside of that box, which led me to Spain. Spain led me to Dubai. Dubai led me to Vegas and Vegas led me to you and uh, your lovely viewers and listeners here on this podcast. So yeah, it's about stretching yourself. And again, can I even say it enough? surrounding yourself with people who are going to push you because you're going to have people who are going to be very, um, you're going to be very addicted for lack of a better word to being comfortable, you know, because again, in our evolution, comfortability means life. Ultimately though, if you're not growing, you're decaying. So you want to constantly be in a, a perpetual motion of growth. You see this happen with the elderly all the time or people who get to a certain age, right? Have you ever seen a woman or a man and their hairstyle looks like it came out of like 20 or 30 years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> even 40 years ago, 50 years ago, you know, there's one thing to be said for like, okay, I like this hairstyle and it fits me and this is what it is. Great. I can guarantee you though, for a lot of these people that you see, it's not so much that it's the hairstyle they like. It's just, they found it, they like it and they're not willing to try anything else. And you might say, well, why would they, why should they go and do something else if they like one thing? Well, growth. You can always go back. Like nothing stopping you from just going and seeing what it's like and then going back the other way if you don't like it. Because guess what? You might like that new thing. And that doesn't mean you have to not like the old thing. That means now you have two things instead of one. It's called abundance, right? And then you can go after something else. Now you've got three hairstyles maybe that you like. And maybe you can get four hairstyles or four different shades for your nails or four different pairs of sneakers or four different pairs of sneaker brands or, or four, four different, different revenues. Four different revenue streams, exactly, <laughs> you know? And it's, it's just about pushing yourself just a little bit more. You see this with the biggest and brightest entrepreneurs and thought leaders of the day. They fail. They fail in front of everybody, you know? Yes, they have successes. However, they fail. 
and they fail because they actually do the work. They actually give it an attempt. You know, you take, you, you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Mm -hmm. And the most successful people are the people who failed the most. Yes. Like anywhere you see it, any area in life, the people who are the most successful made the most mistakes. They practiced it the most. They went after it the most. And that led them to just learn the lesson. What lesson am I learning from this failure? Apply it, move forward. What lesson am I learning from this failure? And you keep growing. You keep growing. And, and some people do that. Man, I, I encourage everyone I talk to, especially if they never left their hometown. I think that's like, you know, unless you're, you're totally successful there, you, I, I feel like it's necessary to get out. Because like you said, you get that glass ceiling and you just you put yourself in a box, a glass box maybe of where you live or where you grew up. And I remember somebody telling me when I joined the military, before I left, uh, he was a retired army guy. And he's like, you're going to do five years in the Navy. And if you come back here, the people you know and the, your friends here, they're going to be doing the same thing they were doing when you left. And I was just like, I was working at Best Buy at the time. And I was realizing like a lot of these people were like already like in that state, you know, five, 10, 15 years after they graduated and they were just settling for whatever they were doing. And I was just like, you're right. And I, was just, I never went back to New Jersey. Actually, I left the, to the military. And I, I never went back. However, I visited and it was the truth. Like nothing changed. You go back to a small town and it's the same thing. And it just, uh, it's a collective of the people who, don't take risk in their life. They don't get to experience it. Cause like how many people got to DJ in Ibiza, you know, it's like, or, or, or anything like that. Like how many people get to experience living in Dubai? How many people want to, and don't, <laughs> that's the, that's a bigger question. How many people, right? Like millions probably. Yeah. It happens that way. And just to your point about risk taking it, it brings me to, um, when failing forward, right? Cause you want to fail forward. You know, the whole point is that you're learning from your failure. So um, I had a big failure forward moment uh, within my first year of trading the market. So uh, at the time, Bitcoin was crashing, it was crashing down to the ground. Everyone knows I love Bitcoin. Bitcoin has been really great to me. I started picking it up at $5,000. It hit $65,000 uh, just about a month or two ago, right? So huge exponential growth I've seen as a result. And 2018, after the 2017 bull run, 2018, it starts to crash. So I discovered a way to short the markets, meaning to make money as it goes down. So did you know that you can make money as the stock or crypto goes down? No. Yes. Well, you can. It's called going short on the markets. There's a film called The Big Short. I teach my students about this in uh, my stock course that they made $2 billion in 2008 when everyone was losing their homes, losing their uh, jobs, losing their businesses and so on and so forth. They made $2 billion. So you can make money as the market goes down. The market is what you call bulls and bears. So it's this tug of war. So there's always a winner and always a loser. So the market's going up. The people who are betting long on the market, they're making money, shorts are losing. Market goes down, the shorts are winning and the longs are losing. So there's always winners and losers. So I was shorting Bitcoin as it was crashing in 2018. And it was in one day I made $1,500 on different short positions. So 200 bucks I did, I was in New York heading back to Vegas. So I was going to Philly because I was flying out of Philly, Musa. So 200 bucks, my first short. Um, then maybe I went to Port Authority in New York to take my bus. Sitting there for like five minutes, made another 300 bucks shorting Bitcoin. 
took the bus to Philly, made like another 100, 150 bucks on the bus drive, waited for my Uber at the Philly bus station to the Philly airport, made like another two, three hundred dollars. It all added up to fifteen hundred dollars moves that I made just from pressing a button on my phone. Okay, I got to the gate at the airport, Philly to Vegas. I lost all of it. All of it. In one sitting at the airport. And then I had a flight to Las Vegas that was five hours. So that was the longest five-hour flight I've ever taken. <laughs> I don't know if you've lost $1,500 in a few minutes and then have to sit for five hours on a plane with no Wi-Fi. However, I don't advise it. <laughs> I don't advise any of it. So in doing that, it you know is a failure forward because as horrible as that felt, as horrible as your listeners and viewers feel for me right now, <laughs> um, it was amazing because I got to learn when to hold them and when to fold them. And that has led me to amazing trades since then because I don't get greedy. I teach my students in like lesson four of our course, we talk about trading psychology. Don't get greedy, you know, get greedy and you will bleedy, I call it. You know, it's take your profits and go home. Like you, you had a great win, just leave, leave, leave the table hot, as they say. Go golfing, go be with your family. Because if you made, I have a student who he made on AMC trading uh, back in February when there was a big bull run in AMC and GameStop. He made $1,500 that morning in like minutes. And he called me, oh, 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 I made $1,500. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, call it a day. You know, go be with your girlfriend, go be with your dog. Like you made more today than. Some people in this world are making a whole month and you did it in minutes. And that's what's possible for you in the markets. And for me, super glad I got that failure of losing all that money like that because it showed me how quick I got it. I can lose it even quicker. And if I would have just stopped after that first trade, I would have been a winner. However, I was greedy and I'm able to teach my students as a result. And again, it's easier for me to get out of trades like that instead of hold on and say, well, I don't know, maybe it'll go a little further. Maybe it'll no, no, no. Chapter nine of my books, follow your rules and stick to them. That right there will make you a lot of money. I love it, man. Get greedy and you'll bleedy. Get greedy and you'll bleedy. Lesson <laughs> no. four of the course. Yeah. <laughs> now I got one thing to ask you as we wrap this up, because I want to respect uh, our time commitment. Yeah. And that is something that you might have a wide answer. It might be something simple, but what does it mean to you to be a conqueror? Great question. So for me to be a conqueror, what does it mean? It means to be someone who is outward focused, at least in respect of, um, you know, conquering. It's not about you, you know, it's you're doing the conquering. However, it's not about you. Like, what is your why? And if your why or when your why is bigger than you, then you're truly a conqueror. Because if you're only winning for the sake of winning, for instance, you know, everything that I talk about with the markets and taking my courses and reading my books and things of the like in order to get a return on your investment, most it's not about the money. You know, it's about liberty. The difference between freedom and liberty, freedom is um, the right to choose. Liberty is the power to do. And one thing I ask some of my students before they come on, is like, what is it worth to you? Um, generational wealth, um, time liberty, financial liberty, um, being able to teach your kids this stuff, being able to teach your loved ones this stuff, being able to do what you want to do when you want to do, being able to say no to work that you're not 
wanting to do, being able to stay home for a week if you feel like it, being able to to take your kids on vacation when you feel like it, all being able to not even look at what the check looks like and just put your card out, being able to not even look at the prices on the menu. All of those things are available to you in the markets. And those things are bigger than just, oh, I want more money. Because it's not about the money. It's never about the money. It's about liberty. And having that liberty, I mean, I'm someone who now, you know, I started um, a lot of this push into finance during the pandemic because I was like, well, I got all this extra time. And I, I posted about having a great week in the markets. And I was like, great week to know the markets. And my friends was like, I want to learn like a hundred different comments and messages. Um, and I was just like, well, okay. And I started teaching my friends. They told their friends. And now I'm teaching people I don't even know. I'm launching a website, yourstocksnow.com. It's the Netflix of finance. You can go there and just watch what you want to watch when you want to watch it. Um, and take the courses there and get into masterminds there as well. All of that, again, has provided me amazing liberty. You know, um, I'm able to say no to DJ gigs that I don't want. And in 2019, I was largely saying yes to a lot because I was like, you know what? It's money. Uh, you know what? Eh, maybe it's not a gig I love. However, it's money. And ultimately, now I'm able to say no to things because I can focus and um, I've given myself the liberty to kick back, relax, focus on my other um, investments, focus on my education business, go golfing, go on great lunches with friends, travel back to New York, travel throughout the country, whether it be Arizona or Indiana or whatnot. I'm waiting for the borders to get opened up so I can travel back to Ibiza, you know, just do what I want to do when I want to do it. When you have that liberty, that is being a true conqueror. And the pursuit of that for that larger why because again, it's not just me, it's about my loved ones, it's about my family, it's about future generations, it's about everyone around me. That to me is being a true conqueror. I love it, I love it. DJ yeah. Uch, where can people reach you? Best place to reach DJ Uch at? Instagram.com, get me at DJ UCH, Instagram.com slash DJ Uch. Uh, just hit me up there, get in the DMs, let me know that you watch uh, The Conqueror Approach and you know I'll definitely throw you something a uh, special something for having been a, a watcher and a listener of this. I appreciate you, Musa, for having me here. And Instagram, everything you want to find on me too is in my link in bio, um, at DJUCH. Hit me there on Instagram and we'll get connected. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you, Uj, for joining me, man. It's been a great, great episode. A lot of yes. value, a lot Ooh. of, oh, there we go. There's my the book, book 10 right. Ways to Win the Stock Market. Yes, number one ways for you to bestseller win the stock. on Amazon right there. Number one bestseller on Amazon, <laughs> 10 Ways for You to Win the Stock Market. Um, Mom is very proud of that. <laughs> That's good, man. I appreciate yeah. you. I appreciate the work you're doing. You're helping people reach liberty in their lives so they can continue to live their potential, do the things they love for the people they love. And you're going to have a big role in that as a mentor to a lot of people. So thank you for that work. And thank you for joining me on the Conqueror approach, brother. I appreciate it, brother. That is all for this episode. Thank you for tuning in. If you found any value in this episode, someone you know will also. Please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review so we can reach more people, have a farther ripple and a larger impact. Stay grateful. I appreciate you. And remember, you are a conqueror.